Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. We are good. So welcome in, everybody. It is the aftermath episode of the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest, who you know, who you love, Zach Kelberman. Zach, here we are one day removed from the Broncos. Quite uh, impressive romping win over the Chargers. How are you feeling about things, especially the quarterback situation? Because you had the update for fans today on what's going on with Teddy. And then we also heard what Vic Fangio had to say about Drew Locke's day. Yeah, well, Teddy is, if it wasn't clear already, he's firmly entrenched on top of the Broncos' depth chart. Vic Fangio made that perfectly clear, lauded his toughness, gave him a game ball for his toughness and gutting through the injury. And what it was revealed to be after x-rays was a shin injury. I think Mike Kliss called it a leg contusion, but Vic Fangio is calling it a shin injury that swelled up a little bit. He was able to get it under control and come back in the second half and... uh, uh, was commended for gutting through the injury. And Teddy Bridgewater pretty much said there's no painkiller like a victory, Chad. He goes, we won and I feel good right now. Doesn't seem like something that's going to bother him going forward, and he'll have a little time to heal up before the next game. If he can stiff-arm Joey Bosa to make that touchdown throw to Eric Sobert, he can stiff-arm a little bit of shin pain, right? But let's talk about real quick what Vic Fangio had to say about Drew Locke. I thought it was kind of interesting because, Zach, on one hand, He kind of stood up for and defended Drew a little bit in a very team-deprecating way. And then at the same time, on the other hand, he kind of called him out a little bit. But it was a very – based on what we know about Vic and what we've been able to deduce how he feels about Drew Locke, it was one of the more balanced takes I've heard from Vic about Drew Locke. Here's what he said, quote – and the question, by the way, to Vic today was, where uh, Drew Locke can improve after yesterday's relief appearance, quote, It's different for a guy who's never come off the bench. In this case, we're probably not giving him enough reps during the week. Not to make an excuse for him, but he's got to learn to do better at that. Maybe some of that is we need to have a better list of what he feels uh, comfortable operating with, running and calling. Hopefully he's learned from these two times because he's also counting the Baltimore game. Hopefully, Zach, there won't be another time through an injury, and he'll do better, though, whatever that next time might be. And then asked, hey, is Drew going to stay the number two? Emphatic yes on that front. And then also, as you mentioned earlier on in that very same conversation, he said, Teddy is our quarterback. Teddy is our quarterback. No doubt about it. But what was your take on his his Drew Locke statement? Seems a little backhanded, doesn't it? Like, how can we dumb it down for you, Drew, even more? What are you comfortable with if you can't run the full playbook and you're giving away the ball on your second snap, on your second series? How can we make things easier for you because you're so incompetent playing quarterback? That's the impression it gives off to me. And honestly, judging by yesterday's game, I've been a Drew Locke guy, but it was that horrible. It was that awful. It was that ugly. You can't come in there and turn the ball over in a divisional game and gift the Chargers points like Drew Locke did. So no surprise that Vic Fangio was saying that. Um, I really still wouldn't be surprised, though, if eventually Brett Rippon leapfrogs Locke as the number two. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner 
for the Huddle Up Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. He's a safer guy. He's like a, a Teddy caliber type of quarterback, heady, smart, safe quarterback. He won't do the damage Drew Locke does, and he won't get... I don't know, dude. He did throw three picks in that one start against the Jets. The Broncos won that game. Rare example of where they won despite losing the turnover margin, but I'm not convinced he's per se safer. I mean, he just doesn't have the the track record of throwing picks like Drew Locke does, and that's what Vic Fangio, he gets his goat. You know, it really does. So um, for now, he's the number two, but it's... No question about it. The Drew Locke experience is soured in Denver. He was asked today, uh, Vic, on um, whether or not Drew's performance in that interception at the end of the second quarter, which swung momentum the Chargers' way, had anything to do with the decision to put Teddy back in the game in the in the second half, and he claimed, no, I, I don't think so. Sure, Jan. Uh, played played kind of dumb on that, but uh, yeah, very uh, – very interesting. Very interesting, guys. We want to see what's on your mind. Hopefully, y'all are riding high because you're Denver Broncos. I mean, I'm trying to think the last time, it might have been 2016, that entering week 13, they were a threat for the playoffs still. Because, Zach, if you think back to the uh, Case Keenum season where they came out of their bye week and won three in a row, that's when Philip Lindsay like, basically earned his Pro Bowl, was over that three-game winning streak. Um they, they fought their way kind of back into the hunt a little bit, uh, only to then just tailspin and squander and burn out. And Vance Joseph, of course, gets fired and, and uh, uh, Case Keenum gets shipped away later on in the offseason. But this is different. Like this feels I would have to go all the way back to 2016 in saying that, all right, you're going you actually have a shot now in December. You're plus 500. Entering December, you got a real shot at the playoffs this time. It's not some like hoping and praying that this team loses and then this team loses to that team and this and that. Like this team not only has Zach its destiny, control of its own destiny, but they've now put themselves in a decent position sitting at six and five. I mean, kind of just shows you how bad they've been the last couple of years, doesn't it? The last half decade or so. Uh, you know, it's it feels different than, let's say, 2017. It feels different than 2018, 2019. But for now, it doesn't feel any different than 2021. Because this has been the Broncos' MO. They look really good, then they're really bad right after. And we can't get a read on them. It's like, what team are you? Who are you? That's what I want to ask the 2021 Dude, Broncos. Zach, it's funny you say that. Because Vic, I don't know who it was. I wanted to bless this man and give him a kiss on the forehead for asking the question. But today, toward the end of Vic's uh, media availability, um, oh, let me see if I can find this because it is. I'll I'll come back and uh, oh, here it is. Because the dude's like, hey, look, exactly as you said, Zach. He framed it the way it's been, right? Which is how do you make sure what happened after the Dallas game type thing doesn't happen again, where you guys have some success only to come back the next week and basically step on a rake, right? Here's what uh, Vic said in response to that on whether he believes the team could turn a corner psychologically and avoid a, a letdown loss at following a big win. Quote, well, we hope so. I mean, we did win three in a row earlier in the season and then won two in a row at another spot. I don't know if there's a lot of validity there to his point that you're Jekyll and Hyde. How can you stop? You know, how can you smooth things over? How can you find a more consistent, uh, emotional constitution so that you're not squandering these big tentpole moments you win a big game and then you go on to the next one and get humiliated 
Well, I'm surprised he's dismissing anything that can give him an out, Chad. You know, plausible deniability. Oh, we weren't psychologically ready for the game. It wasn't my fault. The, the point being, when the Broncos are up for games, when the coach has them prepared and ready and fired up, they perform really well. We saw it in the in the 3-0 and start. We saw it in the Dallas game. And we saw it yesterday against the Chargers. But when they don't get up for the game, when the coach isn't prepared, when they don't have a game plan, when they're lacking energy, and Vic Fangio is doing this on the sideline, you see what happens. You see Baltimore, you see Pittsburgh, you see Cleveland, you see Philadelphia, those type of outings. So he can talk all he wants about there's no trick or there's not much to it. I agree with him to an extent there, but go out and prove it. If you're a a contender and not a pretender, you'll go out there on Sunday and you'll take care of business First place on the line in the AFC West against your hated rival, Kansas City Chiefs. If you're for real, you had the talent on paper. Go out, win two in a row, and put those silencers and doubters to bed for once and for all. All right, let's see uh, what we got in the chat here. Say hello to Dave Glassman. What's going on, bro? He says, in my dreams, the Broncos brass would have given Drew the chance. We're stuck with a mediocre retread. I forgive Teddy Bridgewater. Talking about the Ole, right? The business decision, but I won't forget. Um, how much do you think of that? Whatever damage to his reputation, whatever PR damage he inflicted upon himself with that Philadelphia faux pas, Zach, how much do you think yesterday's performance where he did grit out an injury, right? It took him out, came back, played, played well, won the game. How much damage control was that in reality? Well, the best damage control was the bye week. Could, that mistake couldn't have come in a better time for Teddy. That catastrophic and that noteworthy and that viral, that widespread, he had a whole week to kind of hide and for it to go away. And that's what it does in the natural news cycle, Chad. No matter how big the story is, who's talking about Henry Ruggs right now? No one. It, things just go away. You know, it's past assault. So that's what happened with Teddy there. There were also underlying factors that led to the Philadelphia loss, not just that non-tackle on that play, uh, but he came out and took care of business, and he looked better than Drew Locke. You know, that was such a disappointing aspect of what Drew Locke did yesterday because it just made Teddy Bridgewater look better in comparison, better than Teddy may have already looked in some people's eyes. I mean, he threw for a, a buck what was it, 130 yards, 140 yards, one touchdown. It wasn't exactly an Iron Man performance for the ages, and he was lauded for that one-yard touchdown strike to Eric Saubert only because Drew Locke didn't do that. Drew Locke came in and threw a pick. So when Teddy throws the touchdown, no matter how uninspiring or how unsexy, it's always built up something bigger than it is. I think the bye week, though, allowed it to kind of die a natural death. I'll give him this though for a one yard touchdown. That was a pretty sexy because you got to stiff arm. You got to see him stiff arm Joey Bosa to the ground, which I can't remember any Broncos quarterback doing in my memory. And that includes Drew Locke, but I feel you. Uh, Lawrence Rivera, appreciate the stars, my friend. He says, I love Locke, but the only way he stays next year is if we go after Aaron Rodgers and need a cheap backup still. And he might have a shot once Rodgers retires if he learns something from him. What do you guys think? I don't think that Drew has a future in Denver. I'm less and as time goes on, I'm less and less sure Drew has a future in the NFL, but I still have an optimistic confidence in what I've seen him do in the past. I've seen him play when the, when the lights go on and he's in the zone and things line up, we've seen what he can do, right? You think to the Texans game, you think to um, the comeback against the Chargers. you think about the Panthers game last year, like there have been tentpole moments for Drew Locke where you see him scratch kind of that ceiling and you go, okay, I could, I see what this could be only to have these face palm moments, very similar to the emotional constitution, Zach, of what the team is this year, where really high, high immediately followed by low, 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 uh, with the exception of course of Locke's rookie year, which he was for the most part, pretty steady and pretty solid, but I just don't think Drew has a future in Denver. I think the Broncos made it clear by moving to Teddy when they did that. All right, we've had enough with Drew time to move on to something else. And I think it wouldn't surprise me, Zach, to see him donning a different NFL jersey one way or another uh, before his rookie contract is up. People also forget the Patriots game, where he would have had four touchdowns if his receivers can just catch the freaking football. Um, I I agree with you for the most part. Pretty much everything you said, I don't think Locke wants to be a backup to Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers wants to mentor Drew Locke. So it's really not a marriage that would be conducive to success uh, at the quarterback position. I, I would love to see Locke in a different system, just so we know one way or the other. It wasn't 
you know, it wasn't Pat Shermer or it was Pat Shermer. It wasn't Vic Fangio or it was Vic Fangio. Who is the culprit for Locke's lack of development? Is it Drew Locke or is it the Broncos? That's what did I you, want to know. Did you guys see that meme from, uh, uh, I think it was Joshua Shadow. Shout out to Joshua. I, I'll, I'll pull this up. but The point uh, is. Yes, but here's the thing. I think it's great before I show you guys this in case you missed it. All right. Um, I think it's great because this is the type of, of guy Drew is. He's not the general Patton type of field general leader that we hear about Teddy Bridgewater. And we're going to grab you, Andrew. Hang tight just one sec. Um, you know, he's more of that bro in the in the locker room, right? Not necessarily someone teammates are looking up to per se to be, you know, big brother leader. He's more of like one of them, right? He's just another guy. He's wrapping on the sidelines. He's doing that thing. But does he care about his team? Like, look, this is a this is a clowning moment, and I, I do appreciate this meme. The only way Drew can help Denver score is PS2's racing down the sideline. And, of course, you see Drew, you know, right there rooting him on, pointing toward the end zone. And I get the, the meme, and it's very apropos. It's, it's funny, okay? But it also shows you, does that look like a, a young player that has completely disconnected from his team, uh, completely apathetic, doesn't care what happens? No, dude, he's stoked that his his guy just made a pick and that it's good for his team. You mean a narrative is wrong? Wow, I'm shocked there. And, you know, I think it was before the Sauber touchdown pass, Drew Locke came out and whispered something to Teddy Bridgewater. It was before. It might have been before that play, but he did help him after Bridgewater went back in the game, try to give him a pointer, his vantage point on the sideline, something he saw on film, whatever. He was helping Teddy Bridgewater become a better quarterback. He was helping the Broncos win a game. So you can say what you want about Drew Locke, but team player, he certainly is. Andrew? Appreciate your patience, bro, and the support as always. He says, I'm riding high right now, but really looking toward the Chiefs. How's their run defense? If we can push the rock like that uh, like that the rest of the season, it would be bad ace. Hashtag MHH for life. Um, we'll do more of a like head-to-head comparison, of course, as you know, Andrew, on Thursday night as far as where the Chiefs stand. But as Vic Fangio said today, the bad news is, you know, you're catching the Chiefs as they're now back on the come, right? They're rising back up to the Chiefs that we kind of all hope they wouldn't be, but they are. And so it's going to be a battle, man. Like you have to come out if you're these Denver Broncos. And yes, Andrew, you got to hope Pat Shermer had a light bulb and he goes, all right, I see the model here. Regardless of which quarterback's under center, if we dominate the trenches and we pound the rock with authority, we're going to keep Patrick Sertan on the sideline and we're going to wear out this Chiefs defense, which frankly is not very good against the run. Last time I looked at the stats, I haven't examined the team stats on them for about two weeks, but they are getting better. But still, it's about that emotional mindset. Zach, what you said, in week 13, your Denver Broncos have the chance, if they can defeat the Chiefs, to take first place, take over first place in the AFC West. I mean, if you're in that locker room in Denver, Zach, and that does not get you ready to rock and roll, get your butt out of the league. And then after that, you have a Lions team that's entirely beatable. So you can be on a real winning streak going into December, mid-December, and toward the end of the season, which is a great position for them to be in. In terms of the running game, the Chiefs defense is getting better. The addition of Melvin Ingram has helped them. Again, Chris Jones going back inside and not playing outside has made a world of difference. Um, But the good thing for the Broncos is Garrett Bowles is coming back this week at left tackle, and they might have Bobby Massey. There's a chance, according to Fangio, that he'll play on Sunday night. So at least their offensive line is getting healthier. And if Dalton Reisner, he has a shoulder right now, if he's unable to go, you might see addition by subtraction with uh, Natani Muti coming in the game. Guys, I want to show, uh, I want to grab Claude here, and then I want to do an update on where things stand on Super Chat, because as you guys know, this will be the last Huddle Up podcast in the month of November when we return on Wednesday we are going to be raffling off some Jersey action to the top five finishers on super chat. And then each tier on super chat, we're going to be raffling off some care packages. We got to see who's in the running for that today and tomorrow are the last days to really kind of solidify positions. Uh, So let's grab Claude and then we'll take a look at that. Claude, appreciate you, bro. He says, great team win. These wins make the dumb losses sting even more. Yes, they do. The potential of this team really feels limitless when they're firing on all cylinders. I can't wait to see what we do once this all comes together. We're way past due for a win at KC. Mahomes needs a taste of the D. Go Broncos. I love that. I love that. And yeah, way past due. Way past due. Hasn't been a win in, uh, over the Chiefs' accents. Week two of the 2015 season. 
I mean, I don't think Mahomes wants to taste that, but go off, uh, Claude, as you will. It's it's such a big matchup, and it's it's arguably the biggest matchup they've had in, in quite a while. The, and the the exciting part is, take away quarterback, because that's a definite mismatch with Mahomes and Bridgewater, but on paper, as banged up as the Broncos are, they have the talent this year to take down the Chiefs. Maybe not in the years past, they didn't have it, but they have it all around. They have the defenders to hold Mahomes in check. They have the running game to keep Mahomes off the field. They have the weapons, if if applicable, to match points with them. They could do it. That's why it's so exciting. But will they do it? And what's going to be the reason why they don't do it? That's what you have to ponder. Indeed. Um, guys, here is how things are stacking up on Super Chat. Here's your top five, and just a refresher on what we're doing here. At the end of the month, we're going to take the five top five finishers on Super Chat for the month of November, and we're going to raffle off a Broncos jersey of the winners choosing, okay? Um, we've been doing this since the football season started. It's been really fun, and it's a great way for us to give back to the community. Here's the top five. The DWI guys currently ranked number one, followed by Michaela the Duchess at two. Najal Toth at three. Love seeing Naj up there. Corey H at four, and he climbed one from five. And Coach Chris, after a big tent pole day a couple weeks back, I think Zach, it might have been immediately following the Cowboys game, man. He was just going off. He's still top five. And then you got Kayaka right behind him, could crack into that top five. Uh, Clayto Tornado at seven. Casey at eight, uh, tied with Dale. Uh, D-Dub, legendary, legendary member of this community. Chris Hernandez. Another legend right there at 10, climbing some, let's see, 10 different spots. He, he jumped, Sam Bam, Max Power. And by the way, shout out to Max Power. We missed his super chat last night. He reached out and let us know, and I apologize for that, bro. We'll make it up to you somehow, some way. Get a question in. We'll grab it. Uh, and then you can see here. So appreciate each and every name on this list. And uh, no matter what tier you're on, you'll be raffled, an opportunity to raffle to win some stuff. But it's the top five who are getting the chance at the Broncos jersey of their choice heading into Christmas. And then also, guys, for the Facebook stars, we hit goal on the 17th. And as we told you, the names that have continued supporting us, helping keep the lights on from the 18th on, we're going to take a collection of those names. We'll do a raffle for them as well on for you on, on Wednesday. It'll be fun. Uh, Mike Reno, good to see you, bro. He says, sorry I missed you guys after the game, but I disagree with Zach on the lock comment. Rippin will not take the number two spot. He's just not experienced enough to have the confidence of the locker room. Zach? I mean – I guess it's a fair point, Mike, if you want to boil it down to starts, you know, or appearances, but that didn't matter in the overall big picture of the Broncos quarterback battle. Drew Locke's inexperience or what you could tap there. So it's whoever is going to hurt the Broncos the least. And I think if you compare quarterback style of play, Brett Rippon is closer to Bridgewater than he is to Locke. Again, I don't see it happening right now imminently, but uh, Locke's performance yesterday kind of nudged that needle a little more forward, I feel like. You know, it's funny, too, before I forget this point, I was going to make it after uh, your last comment, Zach, talking about Teddy and going up against Mahomes and all that. But, you know, one thing that we kind of poo-pooed when the Broncos first acquired Teddy Bridgewater, and then we're going to grab Travis after some massive flexing stars. We appreciate you, Travis. You demand. Um, is And we kind of poo-pooed this again when Teddy first got here, and that is that his numbers last year when the Panthers played the Chiefs, what did he throw, like four four touchdowns and it was his arguably his best statistical game of the season for the Panthers last year. Can he duplicate that Zach? And then we'll grab Travis. Cause if he can go toe to toe with that right arm and the Broncos can control the trenches on both sides of the ball and they can play a similar brand of football that we saw against the chargers that we saw against Dallas, just from an intensity perspective, right? Just from a want to perspective. Hey, maybe this isn't a David and Goliath matchup. Like it's been in the last, you know, better part of the last five years. I don't. I still don't see the Broncos winning this game because Teddy outdueled Mahomes. I see the Broncos keeping Mahomes in check and you know doing enough on the offensive side to put up points, touchdowns, not field goals. The the template they have to copy over is how successful they were on third downs and in the red zone. They were eight for eleven and three of three. They were three of three in goal to go situations. That is how you beat the Chiefs. That's how you beat big Titans opponents, Titan level opponents like. The Chargers, the Chiefs, you know, the Raiders when they play them again, you have to convert into touchdowns. I think that's the way they do it. Running game, no reason now not to unleash Javante Williams with Melvin Gordon as the number two. Keep Mahomes off the field, score touchdowns, let your defense do the rest of the work, and you got a chance. Melvin continues to just slightly edge out Pookie on the touch share. 
Uh, Travis, what's going on, bro? Appreciate you so much. You know this. He says, good evening, Chad, Zach, Broncos country. As I have been saying, this team has been and still is like Jekyll and Hyde. It is so frustrating that they know how how good they can be. It's so close to being all together yet so far away. That's why, to be honest with you, even as media, I kind of resented Fangio saying there's no validity to the criticism that we are a Jekyll and Hyde team. Give me a freaking break, dude. You're going to point to the fact that you won your first three games as the only evidence that you're not Jekyll and Hyde. From week four on, you have been the epitome of a Jekyll and Hyde. Don't give me that we won two in a row over Washington and Dallas BS, dude, because you lost four in a row, dude. And your biggest tentpole moments where you do something in triumph, you come out the next game flatter than a freaking tire, right, on my son's 10-speed. <clears throat> That's what people are talking about. Yeah, and it's so it's so infuriating because they have the talent, obviously, but what holds them back all too often is the coaching. And we saw that uh, in the four-game losing streak, but – you know, when they put it together, it's exciting, and we want to just see Fangio. He'll never admit accountability for anything, Chad. He'll always try to deflect and point to something else, but they have been Jekyll and Hyde, and that's why I'm so apprehensive about buying into the Broncos. If, as impressive as yesterday's win was, they can come out and totally crap the bed against Kansas City, and then we're back to square one. So I want to just see it two weeks in a row. That's not asking a lot. By the way, here's the numbers, Teddy, going against the Chiefs last year. As a Panther, you went 36 of 49, so he had to throw a lot. Two touchdowns, 310 yards, and of course it was a losing effort. Um, but still, you know, that's those are solid numbers for a quarterback that had to throw 49 times. Shane the Aviator, what's good, big dog? He says, I believe we need to really stick to the play action against the Chiefs. Um, Zach, can you read the rest of that? My screen just did something really weird, just real quick. We need to stick to play action against the Chiefs to keep their defensive line honest. If we can win in the trenches, we can win the game. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so play action, I agree, Zach. It's important. But if you're not establishing the run with authority, and by by establish, all I mean, Zach, is if you don't have a lot of success early, you don't go away from it, right? That's what Shermer's tended to do What it, it, if he goes to it at all, really, right? Like there have been multiple stretches during this season where it doesn't feel like Pat Shermer even knows there's a component to this game called football called the rushing attack. But nevertheless, what's been the most frustrating thing is seeing them pick up some positive yardage early on or, you know, start to kind of establish a little bit of a rhythm on the ground only to go, you know, empty, 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 three wide, three wide, throw, 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 and you abandon what is beginning to work for you. So if you can stay honed in on that, and just the way this backup offensive line was trucking dudes yesterday, I mean, Quinn Miners and, and the tone he sets on that offensive line cannot be discounted, and it's especially sharp when Natani Moody's out there as well. Yeah, I mean, they have a big, powerful, you know, road-grading offensive line, and they have to put it to, to work and to use. And I agree with you. Committing to the run is just, you know, committing to it, whether it works or not. You can't go away from it uh, when you have two running backs of that caliber. And when you have a running back like Javante, I have never seen him go down on first contact. He's making plays constantly. He's setting you up second and eight with Melvin Gordon versus second and five or four with Javante Williams stick to that and build off play action. But like you said, that's too much sometimes for Pat Shermer to grasp. And that's why it goes back to my previous point. Are they going to put it together for two weeks in a row? Are they going to give the touches again to Pookie and to Melvin Gordon? Or are they going to go back to giving them four carries a piece and having Teddy throw 40 times? So until we see it twice in a row, we can't have any facts formulated, which speaks once again, to the fact that, yes, Vic, your team has been, I hate to tell you, news flash here, Jekyll and Hyde. 727 Mill, listen up, dude. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. You have been really consistent lately, and this is something we like to do with our super chat superstars who really come on strong and, and you know support what we're doing here and show consistency in that. And that is, give you a little something back, all right, randomly, all right? Mill, send us an email milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Give us your t-shirt size. Give us your shipping address. Let us send you out a little care package for being the awesome Super Chat superstar that you have been and that you continue to be today. Thank you, buddy. All right, milehighhuddle at gmail. He says, if Teddy is out, Drew's got to show something. And about yesterday, uh, AT at this point, uh, 
translate, Zach? I'm not sure. He, I'm, I... he made a comment yesterday where it was like ATP offense. We didn't know what it meant. So at this point, offense. I, oh, I haven't oh, heard oh, I that. see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. So thank you for that. Appreciate that. But yes, it's inexcusable. And it was unsettling, Zach. Especially like the first couple snaps Drew was in yesterday for in, in relief of Teddy. It's like, okay, let's hope he does something well here. And then when he fumbled, despite the fact that Tim Patrick, very heads up, scooped it up, got the first down and all that. From that moment on, man, I just had this unsettled feeling in the pit of my stomach while Drew was at the controls. And I didn't, there were times maybe last year I had that feeling like when he was really slumping in Atlanta and against the uh, Raiders in, I want to say, week seven, nine, ten. He had the one triumph where he came back in week eight. But there were some stretches in the, right in the middle of the season where I could maybe feel that a little. Yesterday, I just had this very unsettling feeling, even all the way up, Zach, until he threw that pick at the end of the second quarter and was eventually pulled. I think that's the same feeling that Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer had watching him in, in the in the competition with Teddy Bridgewater. It's the reason why they went with Bridgewater. And again, at least for one week, we railed on that decision for quite a while, months and months after. But for at least one game, they were proven correct because when Drew Locke came in, the wheels came off. It wasn't even close. Pressure of the offensive line let down. He fumbled his second snap, threw on his a pick on his second series. You don't see that with Teddy. You don't see the exciting plays, but you don't see that kind of errant miscue with Teddy Bridgewater either. And you saw it too when he when when Derwin dove and picked it off at first, and there was laundry on the field, right? So Drew's hoping he's like, man, yeah. he's got to be against LA. Great play and, though. Can we talk about what a great play James made? Well, the absolutely, ball? dude's top five safety. But when you he's saw unreal. the ref point uh, to the to to uh, the Broncos side with the laundry, you saw Drew slap his slap his uh, thigh because he knew man that i just threw a really bad yeah. pick and that was my only hope of being absolved Back to uh, johnny the what's up big dog he says what does sertan pat sertan have to do to get defensive rookie of the year over micah parsons minus injuries well zach we'll give our take on that but it's also a topic for what it's worth vic fangio addressed today when he was asked does he deserve to be in the rookie of the year conversation quote, no doubt, no doubt about that. He played really well yesterday. Obviously the two interceptions everybody knows about, but he's broken up some passes too, that were critical. They don't quite get the same pizzazz that picks do, but they are just as critical. He's been playing good football for us all year. We are thrilled to have him. I don't want to speak for general manager, George Payton, but I think I am when I say if we had to redo the draft right now and it was the same players available at nine, it would be the same pick. Close quote. I love that. Yes, absolutely. I think he's in consideration. If he can maintain, if he needs two more games or so with big flash stuff like exactly. you saw yesterday. Exactly. And then he can he can rest it away from Parsons. Exactly. Parsons has the cachet of the name recognition with all the controversy and baggage he had coming out of college. He also plays for the Cowboys, and they get way more shine, obviously, than the Broncos. It's not fair, but it is what it is. Parsons, to his credit, though, he already broke the Cowboys' single-season rookie sack record held by DeMarcus Ware. He's an inside linebacker, guys. What, what he's doing right now is unreal. What Patrick Sertan is doing is unreal, but I'm right there with you, Chad. He has to have more pick sixes, more game-changing plays, and the Broncos also have to win more games. No one would be talking about that if the Broncos lost, unfortunately for Sertan. But regardless... They have him now. He's under their control. He's a future All-Pro, Champ Bailey 2.0, whatever. The guy is unreal. I'm telling you, I'm getting Champ vibes from this cat, you know, and I was there for the entirety of Champ's career. Andrew Lampy, good to see you, bro. Thank you for the stars. I want to grab this one real quick from Todd Ostendorf. He says, maybe Calvin Anderson could be a long-term answer at right tackle. You know how I, you know, here's to hope. And did, have we gotten an update on Calvin today? I think Fangio said it's not as bad as it looked. This so, is good news. This is a, good news. It's a Either multi week way. thing, but I don't think season ending. I, I, the kind of vibes talking about vibes here that I get from Calvin Anderson, you know, talking about the, the upside, talking about, hey, what could a ceiling for this cat kind of look like? If you guys can remember who started for the Broncos at left tackle in Super Bowl 48, that ugly day against Seattle, if you can remember, it was Chris Clark, former undrafted guy, ended up becoming a reliable starter for the Broncos. All right. Didn't have a good, no one on that offensive line had a good day in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, but uh, he ended up being a, becoming a reliable starter that went on to get himself a nice payday from the Houston Texans and st stick around. That's the kind of 
trajectory I could see from Calvin Anderson. So Todd, to answer your question, I could see him potentially being a, a long-term answer for this team, but you know, you got to have a little luck with the injury bug. Having the Broncos learn by now not to really shoehorn backup talent into starting roles. They've tried that so often going back to Donald Stevenson, Menelik Watson, get yourself a blue chip right tackle like the Cowboys did and, and build up the offensive line. And it all kind of just trickles down from there. That's why I'm saying if you don't go for a quarterback in the draft, make that priority a right tackle. You don't have to keep relying on hoping these projects work out or signing veteran retreads. Go get a blue chip stud and, and fill that position once and for all. Christian De Jesus, good to see you, bro. And uh, it's really, really great to see you in the, in the chat supporting us here. You're another guy that's been with us a long time, steady, consistent. I think we, we should send you out a care package as well. All right, Christian, send us an email. Let us know your T-shirt size. We'll send you out a little thank you for the support you give us week to week, bro. He says, do you still expect George Payton to fire Vic after the season and have a uh, Kellen Moore or Brian Dayball at the top of his wish list? Zach, you answer this. It depends on what Fangio does over the course of the last uh, however many games it is, seven games or so, whatever. Um, if they make the playoffs, or I feel like if they have a winning record now, if they end the season on an upswing, I do feel like maybe unfortunately that would be enough for Peyton to bring back Vic Fangio. But it's a results-based business, and obviously George Peyton has a plan for himself. A lot of the reason why the Broncos have won these games is because of the talent that George Peyton has brought into the building. So if they don't make the playoffs, they have a 500 or lesser record. I do think he will fire him. Who he's going to fill that position with, though, could be Dayball, could be Kellen Moore, could be someone like Doug Peterson, Chad, you know, a, a retread veteran kind of guy under the headset. So that's how it's going to go. If they win, he'll stick around. If not, I think he's gone. It really does come down to the playoffs or bust just because this is year three and you just kind of started the car in terms of creating a new era in Denver by John Elway stepping down as GM and hiring a bright up and coming coveted GM candidate in George Payton. Like you can't really afford to keep this car in neutral beyond this year. Like if Vic can't get it done this year, then you got to let George kind of do his thing and move on. It has been three years, right? This is Vic's third season with the Broncos. So again, really exciting win. Let's hope they can sustain it. Let's hope that they can not come out flat like they've done after so many of their tentpole moments this season, and they can play with consistency and high motor and intensity against Kansas city. And then, you know, this, if they do that more and more as the season progresses, Zach, the whole future of Vic, it becomes a moot point because if the Broncos win the AFC West, guaranteed he's back. If they oh, make yeah. the playoffs, depending on the complexion of how they made it, he's back. Odds are he's back. All right. Um, if they don't, he's gone. George, I hear the Teddy people, I hear the Teddy people calling for the team to sign an extension, but I say he's not worth it. We can do better on the open market in the offseason. Um, Zach, open market wise. I'm trying to think who we know is going to be a free agent next year. But Joe way, Flacco, he's coming back. Could they really do better on the open market? Now, maybe they could do better Jameis, in I the draft. So. Maybe they could do better on the trade market. But I'm not sure there's a guy that you could really point to as better than Teddy that's going to be a free agent next year. I'm trying to – I think Jameis is a free agent. Um, I don't – Garoppolo, is, is he in a contract here? I don't know. I'll take a look. It's. I remember writing a story recently, and I, I looked at the open market for 22, and there's a lot of, you know, uh, old, you know, old retread quarterbacks out there over the hills. With the term I was looking for. So I don't think he's going to break the market in terms of money, but it depends what you're wanting out of him for next season. Bringing him back as a starter is one thing. Bringing him back as a mentor, a bridge guy, backup, whatever is another. So Jimmy is under contract next year is his contract year. Okay, but. San Fran can only they, if they cut him pre June first, they only have one point four million dead. So good chance that he does actually that they do move on from him and pass the baton to Daniel. Thank you, bro. Appreciate that to the guy here from Facebook user Trey Lance. Uh, from what we know, the quarterbacks Peyton has drafted in the past, talking about his time in Minnesota uh, and what he was looking at last year in Trey Lance. What quarterback fits Peyton's model in this draft this year? It's a really good question. Um, I'm not 100% sure quite yet. I mean, I think Malik Willis is a guy a lot of GMs are going to get excited about if he can 
kind of wow them on the whiteboard and stuff when when push comes to shove. But I still look at Carson Strong. I like the kid from Ole Miss. Those are really the three that intrigue me the most. We also, we have to keep in mind that George Payton wasn't the GM of the Vikings. Rick Spielman was. He was right. always working as the number two. So it wasn't solely his pick. Um, they drafted a couple quarterbacks in the first round in Peyton's time in Minnesota. I think Christian Ponder was one, and uh, wouldn't Teddy yep. be the other? That's correct. So if you're looking for a model of quarterback, I think the safer, maybe higher floor quarterback, so Matt Corral maybe, over someone like Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, a safer type of quarterback. You know, but you know I don't think Christian Ponder coming out was really viewed that way. Christian Ponder was viewed more – and who knows what the evaluation was behind closed doors, right? But I don't think Ponder was really viewed as that low uh, or high floor, uh, lower ceiling guy because he was an, he was kind of viewed. It was a weak QB class that the year he came out. I'm trying to think. There was only two quarterbacks I think drafted in that first round, if I remember right. Um, but he was kind of known in that class as the athlete. He kind of definitely didn't live up to expectation. I don't know. I never associated a ceiling with Christian Ponder, so I might be misremembering, but um, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough because this is the first go around as Peyton for Peyton as a GM where he gets to solely handpick the quarterback. I tend to think, though, judging on the way he's operated so far, just his general morals and football convictions, I see it being more of a safer choice. I think Matt Corral would be his guy, but could be Malik Willis as well. Let's take a look here at what Vic had to say about Garrett Bowles today. And by the way, here's what he said on Anderson, quote, Calvin's going to miss some time. I don't know yet whether it will require a visit to the injured reserve or not, but we'll probably know in the next day or two. Um, Dalton Reisner going to be okay moving forward. Got a back issue. They think it'll be better. Optimistic he'll be able to play this week. On the subject of Bowles and Bobby Massey, quote, I think both of them have a chance to play this week. Garrett hasn't cleared all the protocols yet. Bobby made some improvement last week from his injury. Not enough to play last week, but we have hope for him. Close quote. So, guys, the thing to remember, Massey's overcoming an injury. Bowles had an injury that he's since overcome about a week and a half, 10 days ago. His thing, the reason he missed was he's on the CV list. And he can clear that at any time. And I think, you know, right now they didn't prepare for a multi-game app. It's kind of rare for a player to end up on the CV list and miss more than one game unless you play in a short proximity to each other within a week or so or a couple days or so. So uh, I do think Bulls is coming back. Massey is way more questionable as far as I'm concerned. Christian Ponder, you know, different mentality, different kind of emotional constitution. But honestly, a lot of his measurables and a lot of his st statistical production is actually quite similar to Drew Locke. But he was the 12th pick in the 2011 draft. And I'm gonna uh, so so you had you had Cam Newton that year, Christian Ponder. I just want to look 2011 NFL draft first round. Wasn't a wait? Wasn't Blaine Gabbert that year? Scott want to say 2011? If I'm not mistaken, let me let me double check this real quick. Here's 2011, Zach. It was Cam Newton, of course Vaughn. Yep, Blaine Gabbert went 10. Christian Ponder at 12. And that was those were the three quarterbacks. So three guys that went in round one, Cam, Gabbert, and Ponder. Newton, the only one that had any staying power as a starter, of course. Not a great class. Yeah. Um, Lando, what's going on? Don't call me Calrissian Lee in the house. Good to see you. Appreciate the stars, big dog. Scott says Ponder should have gone in the fourth round. Horrible, horrible GMing. So there's a there's a uh, do I detect a rebuke here? That's my line. I got it from Indiana Jones last night. Do I detect a rebuke for uh, Rick Spielman? I almost said Chris Spielman. Rick Spielman? Yes, you do detect a rebuke. Miguel, what's going on, big dog? He says, I know it's a stretch, but if we miss the playoffs, could you see Fangio staying if he changed OC and special teams? No, I don't. I really don't. Why would you? How much longer are you going to suffer through a failed regime when you can turn the page and move on to something new? You know, so Zach? I mean, I was kind of thinking about it. He had a, a seven-win season his first season, and it was five last year. Five, I can't five or six. I never remember. Uh, and if he, let's say he goes eight and nine this year, is that really the best the Broncos are going to get? And George Payton has to ask himself that when he's weighing bringing 
Fangio back or not, if they go 8-9, let's say, is that the best they really can do with this roster? You know, quarterback aside, play calling aside, the guy leading the whole team, is this the best we can get or can we upgrade and squeeze three, four more wins with this talent with better coaching? So it's playoffs or bust as far as I'm concerned. At the very minimum, a winning record or bust. They go 10-7 and and they end the season with momentum, I think Fangio can come back. But you miss, how do you sell that to the team, to the fan base, to the media? You can't do it. You can't. And you know what? For Vic, it's a little bit, you, if he ends up washing out after this season, you're always going to wonder, man, what could Vic have done as the Broncos head coach if he would have joined a team that had a quarterback, right? Like a stable quarterback situation. and Not watched him. <laughs> right. I know. But I'm just saying this guy, look, you know, defensive czar, you hire a defensive guy like that, Zach, when you have the quarterback thing figured out, right? Right still questionable but then again you look at who they interviewed in that run i mean they interviewed zach taylor they interviewed um brian flores they interviewed mike munchak they interviewed chuck pagano and Vic. that was your five candidates that they interviewed the only one there that maybe has a little juice in terms of the way the league is trending right now is zach taylor and for him surprise surprise he didn't start becoming a factor for anybody in cincinnati until he got his quarterback yeah, but, you know, in terms of Zach Taylor's coaching prowess, that team has half of the talent the Broncos do. And I know they have Joe Burrow, but he's getting the most out of them. And that's what you want for a head coach. Age doesn't really matter so much. It matters the talent and the competency of the coach and how they connect with the players. And I don't think Fangio has maximized that talent. Travis Tarbox, great to see you, bro. It's not a Huddle Up podcast live stream if we don't get both Travises in the hizzy. And we got one, now we got two. Good to see you, bro. He says, I'm just hoping to see this intensity against the Chiefs. Amen, bro. Amen. It's all about intensity. It's all about want to. Physicality basically is downstream from intensity. So if you start with that, we want it more than the other guy mentality and figure out how to manufacture that and hold it close and keep it like a part of what you are as a team, then you will see performances like you saw in Dallas. You will see performances like you saw yesterday against the Chargers. And that's the kind of wherewithal, the kind of oomph, Zach, it takes to beat a team like the Chiefs. If you've watched this team long enough, regardless if you're a fan, media, whatever, you kind of know what's going to be a Broncos game, win or loss, how they come out. And I knew yesterday Kenny Young was fired up, Baron Browning was fired up, the offense was making some plays and moving the ball down the field. The Broncos got a lead. It just felt like one of those Broncos wins. So we'll know. Early on against the Chiefs, what kind of Broncos team we are getting? The 3-0 Broncos team that beat the Cowboys, that beat L.A., or the team that lost to Rich Bisaccia and Case Keenum? It's one or the other. Uh, John Clay, eventing. Good to see you, my friend. You've been with us a long time. Appreciate the super chat. He says, I don't know, guys. This is the first time in a few years I feel like the Broncos have a shot against the Chiefs. Hashtag bandwagon. Hashtag dare to believe. Hey, dude. We are not the podcast that's ever going to crack your knuckles for having optimism, regardless of the, you know, the lay of the land, what's leading into this next game. Like we're optimistic people here at the Huddle Up podcast. So we don't, we don't begrudge you that. And we want to be optimistic too. Could this be the, 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 the moment? I think it could be. And I don't want to get everyone too riled up here. All right. But as Zach said, if this coaching staff can somehow hammer home the new situation this team finds itself in as it draws the Chiefs, like usually it's you draw them early in the season, you know, it's whatever, and then later in the season when you get them the second time, you're already out of the playoffs, okay. right? This time not only are do you still have a playoff berth at stake, but you could actually usurp them with a win on Sunday Night Football for the lead in the AFC West. If that doesn't get this team's dander up, get them ready for battle, I don't know what will. And I think if the coaches, Zach, can do a good enough job helping them understand, hey, this is our moment, let's go, look at what's at stake, all, all bets are off. All things are possible. At Arrowhead, by the way. I mean, what? how many more bulletin board material points do you need to hammer home before you get your players and yourself ready to go for this game? And if... We get that Cowboys intensity, the Chargers intensity, what we saw in those games. 
they can take down Kansas City. Don't forget, last year, they, that was a very – I forget, I think it was the second game they played. Made a, might have been it the was, first game. number two. No, it was number two. Super close. I mean, super tight game. Could have gone either way, and that was with a, a roster that wasn't as talented as this year's. So they and can in the snow. They can definitely go toe-to-toe. It's that extra oomph they get, chat from the quarterback and from the coaching that's going to make the difference one way or the other. Mike Reno says, I'm so stoked for this game versus KC. I've said all year to my KC buddy that Denver will take at least one game this year, and I hope I get to celebrate that win with all of Broncos country. We hope so too, my friend. Zach, it's funny you bring up talent. Like this is a, a more talented team. I want to write – one of us needs to write this story because Vic Fangio uh, brought that – it was broached what's the biggest difference between last year and this year because it seems like from the injury perspective, you guys are just as – you know, cursed this year as you were last year. And um, without bogging down the, let me see if I can find it right away. Oh, is that it? Well, I'll find it in a second, but let me just paraphrase it. It basically said that we're, we're a more talented team this year. That's why we've been able to overcome our injury losses than we were last year. And I don't know if that he realized that's a little bit of a shot across the bow of the president of football operations, the guy that's still at the top of the executive chain on the football side in Denver. But I thought it was interesting. Nonetheless, it also sounds like an excuse for Laura Landau and the training staff, you know, cursed. That's what we're going. And that's, they have more talent this year, but they're losing the same amount of players to the same injuries as last year. So I don't know if it's bad luck so much as the training, but I do agree with him that this roster is tenfold more talented. Oh, man, I'm trying to find where the quote is here because it's a good one. Um, Bear with me one sec here, gang. Oh, quote, on why the team has been able to better withstand injuries this season compared to last year, we have a better team. We have more depth and better players. That's what makes you withstand things and negative stuff, in this case, injuries. Damn. He said better depth. That was definitely a shot. And better players. (laughs) Right. I mean, if you were on the 2020 Broncos and you you're even if you're still a Bronco, you're going well, shoot big, shoot, you know, uh, Dave Glassman. Nice. Or pardon. Shout out to Scott Kennedy. Uh, bought a beast, big shoes to fill, which he stepped into. Yeah. Scott's been doing some freaking rocking and rolling. He's been really great for us. And uh, it was it, it's been great having Scott be t- behind the ones and twos that, you know, he's been doing great work, too. And I agree with what you said. Scott's been great. Taylor Heineke is like a junior Brett Favre. I'm watching the game right now, and what he does in the pocket, not a lot of real talent around him, especially up front, but he's crazy sometimes, crazy good. Love watching him play. Sometimes. That's the that's that's been the problem with Heineke. Uh, these, the C word for him as well. All right, guys, we got to get out of here one or two more, and then we'll dip. Cody Dub, what's good? He says, the team does good traveling. That's at least a plus. Cody W, thank you for the super chat. Yeah, that's true. Most of the, you know, the biggest facepalm moments of this team in 2021, anyway, Zach, have come at home inexplicably. Yeah, I think that's kind of offset, though, because the Chiefs are coming off a bye. And that's, I think, going to help them as well. They're rested. They're at home. Primetime game. And, you know, also counter that, the Broncos don't usually play well in primetime. So however well they do on the road, usually canceled out in a big moment. Travis Weber says, great show tonight, guys. Thank you, bro. I'm hoping Denver can keep it going against the Chiefs. I know it's in KC, but let's see some of that mile-high magic. You know, if you're looking for a a thread to kind of prove the outlier, so to speak, well, hey, last time Denver beat this team, where was it? Arrowhead Stadium. So let's go. It's true. I mean, I I, I think that the long Demarius Thomas, that was at uh, Denver, right? Or was that at The one where where Keenan missed missed him? That was yeah. That was in 2018. That was the first matchup in 2018. Broncos had the Chiefs dead to rights. Was it at Arrowhead though? No, that one was in Denver. Okay, they've had their moments though. They have for sure. Kayaka, legendary, legendary super chat superstar. I'm still waiting for that email. You know what I'm saying? Um, Oh, you know what I just realized? It just occurred to me as I said, I'm still waiting. You're still waiting for something. I still have for. I haven't mailed your freaking program, have I? I got to get on that. I know I have it. Guys, when we did the meet and greet, Kayaka and I, we watched the game together. And, you know, they're handing out programs like every – you turn a corner, someone's trying to hand you a program at the stadium, right? And uh, so Kayaka took one out when we bounced from the game to go do the gut reaction. And then it got left in our in the car rental uh, that we had to haul all the stuff down there, Zach. And 
I said, I'll, I'll mail it back to you. Don't worry, bro. And I keep forgetting to do it. We'll get it taken care of. Appreciate we'll take care of biz. You know this, but that email probably even more prescient, impression pressing my friend. Um, okay. Let me see here. Any last burning topics? Cause we got to get going. Uh, great show tonight from Michael. Appreciate you, big dog. More than, you know, you the man. Um, let's see. Iron Man KMSA on, on a Fangio's pride. The only thing preventing locks return to the starting lineup. Not too late for Vic to turn the Broncos ship around by Chad. This did not age well. Hey, it's one game, big dog. We shall see. You know, if you want to jump to conclusions either way, we shall see. And I do think pride is the biggest reason why Vic Fangio made the decisions that he has this pride, Zach, and self-preservation. But yeah, of all the games sure. this year, yesterday's game was the one that most bolstered Vic Fangio in terms of making it seem like they made the right decision because Drew just was yeah yesterday. I mean, but it was that small of a sample size, though. You can also use a sample size of the preseason and and make the case that Drew Lock played better as well. You know, I do think overall with the brand of football in hindsight now that Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer wanted to deploy out there on the field, Teddy Bridgewater suits that play style. And for yesterday's game, he was a better quarterback. So, you know, you have to call it like it is. And I don't think takes age well or don't age well when it's your opinion and you're reading to a situation, Chad, like you and I both shared at the time. When he made the call, it seemed like very questionable giving up on the upside and the arm talent of Drew Locke to go with the safer choice. But we thought the Broncos offense would be more explosive. We thought KJ Hamler would be a threat down the field. We thought they would take downfield shots. Well, they don't. They haven't. And they don't want to. So in that type of play style, that's why Vic went with Teddy. And also to keep his job. I don't think anyone can deny that. Yeah, one thing in this business is you learn that... Uh takes you know you can be you can be right one day on a take that you put out there six weeks ago and you you're riding high on your horse and then the next day you could be wrong fast forward one week later now you're right again you know it's it's one of those things where that's just the nature of the media business big dog zach i'm look oh go ahead let me just say one thing people like iron man you know they're killing drew lock because they were looking for a moment you know when drew lock came into the game they were saying to themselves just give me a reason. Give me a reason to hate on you, to dump on you, and, and Drew Locke gave him that. But if he would have came in the game and threw a touchdown pass, the same people like Iron Man would have said, it was just one series. He can't you know, keep it going. It doesn't matter. It was just a, a very limited play. So that's that's a double standard. When a, when a player is that detested by the fan base, it doesn't matter what they do, good, good or bad. Those yeah, glasses imagine, are tinted. Imagine if it was Drew that Olaid, right? Uh, like Teddy did against oh, Philly. My gosh. He'd be he'd, in prison right now. It would be cataclysmic, right? It would be like um, apocalypse, mile-high apocalypse. Real quick, Zach, before we go, I just yeah. want to list off here the unrestricted free agent quarterback class for 2022. Big Ben, obviously, he's if he plays next no year. Way. I mean, we'll see. But it, I, I, I don't think he's going to continue playing anywhere but Pittsburgh if he play continues to play if they want him back anyway. Uh, Fitzmagic, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy, Marcus Mariota, Joe Flacco, Mitch Trubisky, Tim Boyle. So I think it was uh, Mike Reno that said, I want I'd rather go. There's better options on the open market. I'm not really seeing one here that screams to me better option than Teddy, which tells me that if you're going to upgrade the position, you either got to execute a trade for one of the two guys that are coveted that you might be able to get, or it's draft. I need a shower now after hearing those names. What an awful list that is, Chad. When Marcus Mariota is the highest upside name on that right. list, that says something. So they're not going to sign a quarterback. They're either going to draft one or trade for one, period. All right, guys, we got to bounce. Zach, if yep. you want to do the rundown out of here, I'll pull Absolutely, up Facebook for us. Absolutely, guys. Uh, appreciate you following and tuning in with us tonight. Be sure to keep and stick around for the Huddle Up podcast returning Wednesday night, guys. But in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you haven't already, go to HuddleUpPod.com and get yourself a football priest hat, trucker hat, hoodie, coffee cup, 
everything is in that store at huddleuppod.com. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Hit that big blue button. Exclusive content, guys. Kelberman's Corner, Trickle Zone, Broncos Book Club each and every week. Five bucks a month. I promise you it's worth it, guys. Hit that big blue button right now while you can. Also, facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod, like that page and follow that page. And if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every single month. But if you can't do any of those things, do these three things. Take a few seconds. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. Helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. And by the way, we're seeing the five-star ratings rolling in. Very stoked to see that from you guys on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. We're going to be doing the raffle for Apple Pods on Wednesday for the month of November, so we'll see who uh, who wins that. So if you're one of those that listens on Apple, or if you're a live viewer and you just took our call to action and went and re- left a review on Apple Podcasts, don't miss Wednesday night's show because we're going to be raffling off. You might hear your name called. All right. And also, by the way, guys, as we say, follow Scott on on uh, Twitter. Also, go subscribe to his YouTube channel, Scott, uh, Scott Kennedy on YouTube. Easy to find. All right. I think we have a banner, don't we? Somewhere. Right here. Boom. Subscribe to him. Um, Zach, here's how we finished on Facebook. The people at the top, it's a lot of the the OG superstars supporters for us, including Big T, T-Dub, Travis Weber at the top. Thank you, brother. Andrew Lampy, the aviator himself, who we got to kick it with a few weeks back. Shane Daniels, Mike Reno, Daniel Peterson, Andrew Baker, Johnny Martin, Dave Glassman, Lando, don't call me Calrissian, Lee in the hizzy. I'm envious of your name, dude. I wish my name was Lando, and that's no lie. Claude Riley, Miguel Santistevan, Scott, Scott. Hmm? Okay, all right. I think I'm closer. George Fox, Lawrence Rivera, Travis Tarbox. Love and appreciate each and every one of you. We'll see you Wednesday night, as Zach said. Don't forget, you got Broncos for breakfast tomorrow and building the Broncos tomorrow night. Take care, guys, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.